Democrats win big in Indy and make gains in the suburbs, while Republicans win mayoral races in other cities across the state. So what, if anything, does it mean for 2020? And how will this week's elections shape the future of Indianapolis? We'll talk with Mayor Joe Hogsett and State Senator Jim Merritt, plus Congressman Andre Carson and Jim Banks on the impeachment inquiry, and Governor Holcomb shares his thoughts on the big sale at IMS. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. It got ugly in the final days of the campaign, but in the end, it wasn't even close. Mayor Joe Hogsett easily winning re-election to earn a second term as Indianapolis mayor. Our Colby Thielen has more. Mayor Hogsett credited bipartisanship, saying that he wouldn't be in the position he is now if he tore people down. Instead, he likes to focus on building people up. In that victory speech, he took a minute to thank his family, everyone that helped out with his campaign, and most importantly, the voters. He spoke very little about challenges facing the city. Instead, he focused on history, those who settled here and worked to make the city what it is. He told the audience the differences between citizens will only make the city better. We grow stronger from our distinctions of culture, race, and sex. We grow wiser in our different opinions, beliefs, and religions. It was a disappointing night for Senator Merritt. In his concession speech, he told the audience that he felt the campaign brought up a lot of important issues, including crime, infrastructure, and potholes. But in the end, the campaign didn't seem to connect with enough voters. He said the 10-month effort for office, though, will make him a better senator. This is why I ran for the job, is I wanted it on my own shoulders. Right now, I'm one of 150 over there. I wanted to make the impact to make Indianapolis a great place. And, this, and the mayor has a great perch to do so. The two talked about how they've known each other for 40 years now. Senator Maris said that he's going to continue to use his seat in the Senate to make Indianapolis a better place to live. While Mayor Hogsett encouraged him to take what he's learned on the campaign trail and make it the forefront of his Senate agenda. In downtown Indy, Colby Thielen. Colby, thanks. Here's the other big story in Indianapolis, the balance of power on the city county council. Four years ago, voters gave Democrats a 13-12 edge, but this past week, Democrats won all but five council districts. We asked Mayor Hogshead about that new dynamic when he came to our studios the morning after the election. I think the last four years we've accomplished a lot. Uh, public safety, infrastructure, educational opportunity for Marion County residents, economic development. All of those things, uh, I think, uh, factored into yesterday's results. But uh, we've always been uh, forthright with the voters and said there's more work to do. And that's what we intend to do over the next four years. You and Senator Merritt have known each other 40 years, yeah. both used to politics. But I mean, was it a little odd, you know, the phone call last night when it was over? You know, um, Jim was very gracious. Uh, and it, it is a little uh, strange mm -hmm. having known Jim uh, from our days at IU together. Um, but, uh, you know, I hope that he will now become a passionate advocate for the city of Indianapolis. Based on what he's learned in this campaign, um, in the legislature when he returns yeah. to the state Senate. And with a big majority on the council now, we're thinking like 20 to five, mm -hmm. how do you plan on utilizing that, if at all? Well, I think it gives us opportunities. Um, Having that, uh, that difference uh, carries with it certain challenges. 
but w as Democrats, we've never experienced that before. So uh, the point that I guess I would underscore for your viewers this morning is that the last four years have been all about bipartisanship, trying to bring Republicans and Democrats together to work on the big things for our city. And that's been a successful track record that I think was affirmed in yesterday's vote. So whether it's 13 to 12 or whether it's 20 to 5, we're going to continue to bring mm. Republicans, Democrats together and just do what's in the best interest of our city. All right, Mayor Hogsett there on Fox 59 Morning News this week. Other notable races across central Indiana Tuesday night. Democrats won for the first time ever in Zionsville. Emily Styron defeating incumbent Mayor Tim Hawk. Democrats also won council seats in Carmel and Fishers. But across the state, Republicans won a record 70 mayoral races, flipping seats in Muncie, where Dan Ridenour was elected mayor, and also in Kokomo, where Tyler Moore won by a wide margin, 68-32. We spoke with him on election night. We want to bolster the, uh, uh, the respect and resources given to the Kokomo Police Department and even Fire Department uh, with the increase in uh, apparent violent crimes and activity within Kokomo. A lot of folks, as we heard uh, while campaigning, is that uh, they want that addressed. Now, in a statement, Indiana GOP Chair Kyle Hupfer noted his party's historic night, saying never in the history of Indiana have Republicans held this many mayoral offices or had this wide a margin over Democrats. He added, while it was a historic day for Indiana Republicans, he said, quote, we're not ignoring those races where we came up short. We'll work extremely hard to win back those voters. We also heard this week from Democratic Chairman John Zodi. Clearly, we, uh, you know, we, there, there were some losses suffered in some of our cities, and we um, hate to see that, uh, but we feel very good about where we are after the uh, 2019 municipal elections. We have a complete list of all the results from Tuesday night and more reaction on our website. Right now to the latest from Washington. Public impeachment hearings begin on Wednesday. And this past week, Vice President Pence faced more questions about that new anonymous book claiming that some cabinet members wanted his help to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove the president from office. I never heard any discussion in my entire tenure as vice president about the 25th Amendment. Behind closed doors, there's a so-called impeachment inquiry that I think the American people know is nothing more than a partisan impeachment. And it's the latest effort uh, by Democrats to try and overturn the results of the 2016 election. And I think the American people see through it. Vice President Pence was in New Hampshire to officially file paperwork for the Trump campaign for next year's primary. Now, this week, we spoke with two Indiana lawmakers on opposite sides of the aisle, Republican Congressman Jim Banks and Democrat Andre Carson, who's a member of the House Intelligence Committee. Well, I think the public hearings will allow for a greater uh, level of transparency. Uh, the American people will be able to weigh in more directly through their congressional representatives' offices and their senators' offices. And I think it gives the American people a chance to really see the impeachment process laid out in public for the people to decide. We'll have professional staff along with some members like myself asking questions and we'll move forward. I think the fact that the president was bold enough and reckless enough to use your and my taxpayer dollars approved by the House and Senate to try to leverage it to put pressure on the Ukrainian government to spy on a political rival. I don't have a lot of faith in the process. I think it's a, the process is a sham to begin with. This president at this point hasn't been accused of any high crime or misdemeanor. 
and that's what that's what the founding fathers put in the Constitution to justify impeachment. And so far, we we haven't even gotten to that point. The, the Democrats are holding hearings in search of of uh, reasons to impeach the president. They still don't have that yet. Yet, yet they're moving forward with the with the sham process. Do you think the whistleblower's uh, name should be released? Well, I think I, I think that um, the American people deserve to know his background, his motivations. I mean, what what we've learned so far is we you know we 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 probably do know who he is. We probably know that he was he is he's associated with Vice President Biden. Uh, he's a he's a Democrat um, operative and appointee that was a holdover from the Obama administration. We so we've sort of concluded that he has political motivations for. Uh, for why he uh, came forward as a whistleblower. But at this point, we've all read the transcript. I mean, President Trump has been very transparent. He released the transcript of the phone call. All of us are just as qualified to be a whistleblower because we've read the transcript as what this guy is. So uh, I, I do think it's, uh, it, it's fair to expect that while whistleblowers should be, they should be protected, that doesn't mean that they can remain anonymous, especially if they have political motivations that are that um, that are associated with why they're coming forward, and that, I think that's the case here. You know, there's a reason why we have statutes that uh, protect whistleblowers. I think this is a kind of bullying that is unacceptable. It's un-American, and it is intended to discourage other whistleblowers from coming forward. We have to protect them at all costs. All right, up next, impeachment and the election. One Indiana Democrat running for a newly opened seat in Congress says. He's against the idea of impeachment. We'll talk about that. And Mayor Pete's poll numbers on the rise in Iowa. We'll show you those numbers and talk with one of our panelists who was just there in Iowa covering his campaign for president. All right, welcome back. Let's bring in our panel right now. Former communications director for the Indiana Senate Democrats, Elise Schrock. Former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy and yeah. editor and publisher of IndiePolitics.org, Abdul Hakim Shabazz. Thank you all for being with us as we talk about this past week's election. You know, nationally, a lot of people are talking about this suburban shift. Some of the suburbs turning purple. We saw that to a small degree here with the municipal elections. What does that mean for 2020? Abdul, I'll start with you. Are we part well, of that trend? Well, there, there are a couple things to keep in mind here, uh, what, what we saw in the suburbs. Obviously, a, a win is a win, and I'll give that to my uh, Democratic friends. But there are also some internal matters going back and forth between Republicans up in Hamilton County, uh, some internal fighting I'll be writing about next week uh, that really helped contribute to that Democratic win. With that said, if I'm Christina Hale, I am the happiest Democrat in the state of Indiana right now because you know, there are more spots of blue popping up you know, in the 5th Congressional District. And by the way, all of, don't forget, all of Northern Marion County as well is in, is in the 5th. So that's really good news for somebody like a Christina Hale. Well, and we'll talk about that 5th District race in a minute. What were your takeaways in the suburbs and, of course, in Marion County? Yeah, I mean, in Marion County, basically everything north of Washington Street is blue now. Um, I think that there were a number of um, incumbent Republicans that maybe didn't see this coming. Um, we have a, a huge majority on uh, the council now, but even more than that, what's really exciting for me is all of the young Democrats. We have six young Democrats now on the council. Before, we only had two. So I think that's going to change the dynamic of how that chamber um, acts. What does all of this mean moving forward? Well, I think Mike? you have to be careful. First of all, Marion County, unmitigated disaster for the Republicans. As Elise said, everything north of Washington Street is now Democrat. Um, 
I, I'm disappointed in some of the people who lost blaming Jim Merritt for their loss because as somebody who's won and lost elections, I know that the candidate is always responsible for their own race. And if you have a council district, it's within your power to win that race with a grassroots effort just because they're small enough. Now, if you look at Hamilton and, and Boone County, I think you have to be very careful not to draw too large conclusions. For example, the Zionsville mayor's race was really more, I'm told, about a planned apartment development that the voters didn't want and the, and the mayor local very local issues. very local right. and the mayor was pushing it and and styron i think is the way you pronounce her name came out in a, and recognized that and used it against him and so i think in when these little council races i think it's so often more one issue or one personality because you know everybody and you know whether they're a good person or a jerk and it's, it's also about the work like if you're, it, it starts and ends with the candidate, right? And yeah. you have to do the work. And what we saw across Marion County is in some of the districts um, that we picked up, the incumbents simply didn't work as hard. There was yeah. a huge coordinated effort. It also didn't hurt either that Democrats had a 71 to like 25 straight ticket voting advantage. And that type of wave is going to take out a lot of people in districts that they normally would be a little bit more competitive. That 71, like 30% straight ticket uh, advantage Democrats had really help them uh, knock out some of those Republican counselors as well. As we were talking about with the suburbs, uh, truly that talk of the suburban shift uh, now focuses squarely here, as Abdul mentioned, in Indiana on that fifth district race, a number of candidates on both sides like seeking to replace machine. Susan Brooks. <laughs> There's a lot of them on this screen right here. We've done interviews with a number of them. We'll be showing you more of those interviews and doing more interviews uh, in the weeks to come. Uh, where, where does that put us heading into 2020? Uh, as Democrats look at the 5th District as, as a district they're well, going to try and it's still a Republican district, okay? It may not be as Republican, but it's still a Republican district. And as much as I like and respect Christina Hale, she still has an uphill battle. I mean, there's four or five Republicans in that slot saw machine them all view that, yes, yes. that any one of them could win despite Christina Hale's best efforts. So she still has an uphill battle. Well, I'm going to respectfully disagree with my former good friend, my former good chair friend, the chairman here is that it's incumbent on Republicans to nominate the right kind of Republican in that district because you got to understand if you go back to 2016 Donald Trump was actually the lowest vote getter on the countywide ticket in Hamilton County so if you run the right type of Democrat with the right type of moderate message and like I said we continue to see these demographic trends it could be a lot more a lot more competitive uh, than Republicans probably feel comfortable with if they nominate the wrong person. But when you bring phrase? up Christina, though, I mean, uh, I agree. You have to work for everything you have, and she's doing, she's doing the work. She's raised a whole heck of a lot of money. She is already earning a number of endorsements. Uh, the DCCC is already here looking, and, and they've been working um, on the ground game here. Uh, District 5 is in play, and I think that it looks better now than ever. I mean, Christina has won in... Um, her legislative district was fully encompassed by CD5. She has experience winning here. She's got the name ID. Um, I think it looks very favorable. And as you guys point out, a lot of uh, national dynamics will likely play out in a race like that in a presidential election year as well. Also some news in the first district in northwestern Indiana this past week. Longtime Congressman Pete Visklosky announcing on Twitter that he would not be running for re-election next year. Later that same day, the mayor of Hammond, Tom McDermott, announced he would be seeking the nomination for Congress in the first district. McDermott had reportedly been considering a run against Visklosky regardless. Another interesting dynamic here is that he has positioned himself uh, so far as an anti-impeachment Democrat, saying he thinks censuring the president would be 
a better option. What do you think about the dynamics uh, here in the first district? Uh, knowing Tom McDermott, and he's a good friend, that does not surprise me at all. Matter of fact, as soon as Pete Vizlowski announced he was stepping down, or now we're going to run for election. Uh, McDermott already had his McDermott for Congress signs already up on Facebook and social media, so they have been they have been waiting for this. Uh, McDermott is, is your classic kind of conservative, uh, old school blue dog, Democrat, and he he understands and he gets it. You know what it'll take to win and be competitive, and he doesn't think necessarily impeachment is the is the way to go. Now, granted, his district is very heavily Democratic, so I think the winds are at his backs. But but I think he's playing it smart in this sense that. No, impeachment isn't going to necessarily win the hearts and minds of some of those kind of Democrat Trump supporters out there. Senator Melton uh, says he was asked about this race and, and says he's sticking with the race for governor. Uh, what do you make of that impeachment dynamic here in this Well, in this first race? of all, I, I, I'm disappointed that Ms. Klosky's leaving. He was actually very helpful to the Republicans when Mitch Daniels was governor, for example. And there's never a good time to leave, but he's leaving at the, the height of his power, frankly. McDermott is conservative for a Democrat, but he also has a little bit of Trump in him in the sense that you never know what the guy's going to say. If you ever listen to the radio show <laughs> he does, he can, just, he can just come off saying anything, and it makes good news, it makes good gossip, whatever, but he's, he's going to have to be more, more careful as he transitions into con congressional role. I think at the end of the day, we win this district. Um, even looking in how the map was redrawn in 2013, you have District 1 has a little bit of uh, Porter County that is held blue. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's a Democrat seat. That's not going to change. Um, I, and in that regard, I think that it is going to be a sprint to the primary. I think there are going to yep. be a couple other names that come out of the woodwork on this, and they're going to have to raise a lot of money because this election is largely starts and ends. And remember, in too, Dermot has, through the, the, uh, the whole casino process in the last year, has consistently attacked the Democrats of Gary, people he now needs to be his friends as he, if there is support. a primary. So speaking of impeachment, uh, hearings obviously, <laughs> public hearings starting this week, what are you expecting? Uh, I think my Republican friends have made a big mistake attacking the process because there's an old saying in politics, be careful what you wish for. So we want this open, we want you know, all this to be out in the public, we want the whistleblower, okay, you ask for it, and you have no idea necessarily what this person is going to say in public. Um, it'll, it's going to be must-see TV. But you can't, the reason the Republicans have attacked the process is because they cannot effectively defend the, in good conscience, defend the president and his actions. And so rather than oppose the president, they attack the process. Does it move public opinion to have these play out on television next week? I think it will. I think that by having his, some of his top staff not, um, answering the call to the hearings, not being forthright and coming into being part of that conversation. What you're going to see is um, the, the majority of the committee is going to be able to lead that narrative. I think we all know that the president can lead his own narrative, but it usually only hits to his supporters who aren't going to change anyways. Right. So I think that's I, I think that's a loss for we'll them. We'll see how it plays out. Meantime, let's talk about the race for president. South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg spending a lot of time in Iowa and New Hampshire in recent days. We spoke with Adam Wren, who was covering the campaign in Iowa, about some of these latest poll numbers from Quinnipiac. We'll show them to you here that have Mayor Pete Buttigieg now within one point of the lead in Iowa, right behind Elizabeth Warren. One of the first things that he said uh, on the bus was he sort of walked back this idea that it was a two-way race with he and Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts. And yet the whole weekend, uh, he's, he sort of indirectly took some jabs at her, you know, her message about fighting uh, 
and so he clearly, even if he walked back those comments, clearly believes that this is shaping up, at least in Iowa, to be a two-way race. What do you make of some of those uh, polling numbers and Pete's chances here of perhaps even winning Iowa? I think that's um, it's fantastic for Pete. I mean, he's been the underdog for a long time, um, but he's gained and kept momentum going since the time he announced. I, I do think that the, under, the slight underdog plays well for him, so that um, number two spot is probably a sweet spot for him. Mike? Well, I think it's good for Pete. It's probably good for Indiana and good for the media to follow Pete through January at least. Um, all he has to do is come in the top three, but he cannot get the nomination without the African-American vote, and he's Almost zero percent in the African American yeah, vote. He's got to solve that problem. You've got Mike Bloomberg yeah, I mean, so exactly now, for president. Exactly now. now, Mike Bloomberg, who's filed paperwork in Alabama yeah. uh, to kind of keep those options open. To me, that's total complete uh, game changer going forward because there's still a lot of Democrats who are undecided. They're not crazy. Right. They, they they may like some of the people in the field, but they're not in love with them. We'll see where it goes from here. All right, coming up next, we're talking about the big sale at IMS this past week. Governor Holcomb sharing his thoughts on the Speedway being sold to Roger Penske after this. Think about what this track has meant to Indianapolis and with the other sports teams, and I want to be sure that we carry our load here. Huge news this week at IMS. Racing legend Roger Penske is buying the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and all of IndyCar from the Holman George family. This week we got reaction from Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb. A transaction like this uh, might cause some people to be concerned. I'm just the opposite the opposite. I am so excited about the next hundred years. We have much more reaction on our website from the town of Speedway and others in the community reacting to this very big news at IMS. Stick around. We'll be right back with this week's Winners and Losers. All right, time for this week's Winners and Losers. Abdul. Uh, big winner, Tyler Moore, Republican who won in Kokomo. Uh, 12 years Democratic rule in Kokomo. Uh, biggest losers right now, my Americana Republican friends. I love you guys, but you got to get your act together. Right, loser has to be Donald Trump, fined $2 million for illegal use of his foundation. And the winner has to be AIM. They have to train 48 new mayors for the state of Indiana, replace eight board members, one officer. It's really going to be in their hands to give us a well-qualified group of office holders. Elise? Uh, my winner is uh, the city of Goshen. Uh, it's a third uh, Latino in population. They, for the first time, have Latino representation on their council with councilor-elect Democrat Gilberto Perez. Uh, that's very exciting. Uh, my loser has to be Hamilton County and Boone County Republicans. Their facade has officially cracked. We'll leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.